my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, we're going to talk about something Krista and I have debated for at least six years, the best printers for you to have for your home, home office, or small business. And coming up after that, later, we're going to talk about something we're getting a lot of questions about. What do you do when you go to book a car rental for travel later this year, and the car rental costs, it seems like, as much as it would cost to buy a car right now? So we got to talk these printers, because Krista, this on this podcast, we don't cuss. No. But I've heard you use a lot of inappropriate words for a Catholic school educated young lady. Like full price? No, I'm talking That's about a cuss word on the full show. curse words that you've used about a printer mm. that I bought for us to use in our office uh, like four years ago. And I got one for home too that my family uses and they use choice words at me because of it. Uh, pioneers get slaughtered so settlers can get rich. Oh. Did you know that expression? No. So when you're an early adopter of new technology, a lot of times it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it really does work out well. Other times, not so much. Well, I got you into the affordable printing too soon, and you had lemon printers. <laughs> Did I? I still have them. And at home. Well... I can tell you that Consumer Reports and the Wall Street Journal both have done reviews recently of these ultra-affordable printers, and now they actually work great, and they're the best choice. So here's the drill. Hewlett-Packard learned from the best at figuring out how to get in your wallet. Who is the best? Gillette. Gillette perfected a business model about 30 years ago where they were willing to sell you a fancy handle for razor blades, for disposable razor blades, at a big loss so that you would buy the blades at a massive, massive markup. And that's why Gillette had been so successful for so long. The corporate arrogance led to a decline in their fortunes as others looked at that business and said, why would you do that? And that's what led to Dollar Shave Club and Harry's and any of a number of competitors that have come in offering very high quality shaving at a fraction of the cost of the Gillette model. Well, Hewlett Packard took the full lesson from Gillette and came up with the full, complete, total ripoff model for <laughs> office and home printing. Hewlett Packard sells printers at what I assume are very large losses, selling them below their cost of manufacturing because the money is in the ink. That's where you make the money. The stink is in the ink. Right. So I love this. Uh, the columnist for the Wall Street Journal, who's a technology writer, discovered that the printer she had 
that she didn't have the guts to say what brand. But she bought the printer really, really cheap, 150 bucks, and discovered that she spent $1,200 on ink for that printer. $1,200. Oh, and that's what it costs when you buy these Hewlett-Packard printers. The ink is thousands of dollars a gallon. And so the business model that first was pioneered by Epson and then more recently copied by Brother, and both of these companies will still sell you printers the old-fashioned way. They have printers that they'll sell you where they sell the printers really cheap and then they eat up your wallet on the ink. But they'll also sell you printers where you pay a real price for the printer and the ink is essentially free forever. If you have to replace ink, it costs almost nothing. Well, we have four of these Epson printers, more modern ones, Mm -hmm. that we use for school, for our businesses, that kind of thing, in our home, and they work flawlessly. We've never had to buy replacement ink, but if we did, a couple years' supply of ink is like 10 bucks. So look at the Epson Echo Tank or Eco Tank. Is it Echo or Eco? I think either. Echo for economical? I don't know. I think it's Eco either. for ecological. Oh, because you could say economic or economic. So I feel like you could so say it call way. it what you want, and they tell you right on the box it's all about you being able to save money on the ink, the total cost of ownership of the printer, tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the cost, and you're just going to save. Tremendous money. The brother line is called Ink Vestment, by the way. So you got the Epson Eco Tanks, Echo, Eco, and then the brother Ink Vestments. And they do everything, you know, they they print, they scan, they do all the stuff, copy that you want a printer to do. Just do it ultra, ultra cheap over time. And they actually work more mm. or less now. My scanner era, stopped working. They didn't work, huh? My scanner stopped working. The feeder, it doesn't work. So I have to like. Maybe it's time. <laughs> Is that a gift I should get no, you? No, no, no. But I get think you one it that actually be. works. Because when you have multiple documents, you definitely don't want to sit there and place it, you know, over. Right. So I'll get you one with no, an automatic document please feeder. Please do not. Next not time fishing. they're on sale at Sam's or Costco, <laughs> you're going to get one whether you want it or not. <laughs> and by the, the way, the number one suggestion you'll hear, though, is if you don't ever need color and you just need a simple printer, you buy a, a black ink laser jet printer because they print really fast and the quality of the print is really good. But for my dollar, the Epson is the thing. And it's time for your questions. What Sherman want to talk about? Sherman's in Florida and says Consumer Reports advertises a charitable gift annuity for its members. Your thoughts on this? I've enjoyed them for years, but when an annuity is mentioned, I have to wonder. So Consumer Reports is a great organization. And when you do these charitable gift annuities, they are a financial planning strategy that you get a really good tax benefits The charity benefits from uh, the value that goes unclaimed by you, and you have a predictable 
lifetime stream of income where you give them your money, it's converted into this charitable annuity, and then you get money month after month, like almost like a pension. And so what are the risks involved? The risks are that you end up with less income than you actually need because the way they're structured, it's not going to be as lucrative for you as a traditional purchase of an immediate payout annuity because part of the whole design of it is to generate money for the charity. And also the charity itself has to be solvent because you're relying on them to pay you. I don't think that's an issue with Consumer Reports, but it is a twofer. It gives you the ability, or threefer, gives you the ability to support an organization that you love and believe in, and it gives you a charitable deduction, and it gives you lifetime income. In your web article, Seven Things to Know Before You Buy Gas at Costco Wholesale, points three and four are in direct conflict with each other. Point number three is it doesn't matter which side the gas tank is on. And number four is do not block the middle lane. When you're pumping gas into a tank that's opposite the pump, you are blocking the middle lane because you're standing in it to fill your tank. Craig. Thank you, Craig. So what I do, uh, we have one gas engine vehicle. It's a Honda Odyssey minivan. And of course, the, the most cars, the fuel filler door is on the driver's side. And of course, the Honda Odyssey has that. And so if you go to Costco and the lines to fill up, the lines are generally a lot shorter if you go on the side for vehicles that fill on the right. So Costco puts in the long hose that you can fill either side. So what I do to eliminate the problem you're talking about is I stand behind the back bumper on the driver's side and my hand is around making sure that the hose stays in there so that I do not block the middle. You just have to be a little bit of a contortionist to be able to do that. And then in turn, I don't block that middle for people. If you're not familiar with how busy gasoline stations are at Costco, they're continually rotating cars around. So if there's uh, three pumps in line, and the first pump empties out in the middle one, a car will come around in that middle to go to that available pump. If somebody's standing there pumping on the side of their vehicle, they're blocking somebody coming through. All right. Speaking of blocking, Brad in Kansas wrote in and said, during your segment on robocallers, you failed to mention a very simple solution for iPhone users. There's a phone setting that blocks all unknown numbers. It sends their calls directly to voicemail and your phone never rings. A message will pop up showing the unknown phone number that was blocked. To enable this feature, go to settings under phone and silence unknown calls. Toggle it on and never receive another robocall. Brad, I love that, that you block all unknown callers. That's essentially what I do with the um, service I use. It's called Umail. It has a freemium business model that uh, YOU Mail that screens my calls and also is my voicemail service and greets people with a very pleasant greeting. And if they are what they think is a spammer, call never makes it through. But I love your suggestion that the phone never rings at all if it's not a known caller to you. Um, Next thing is shaken and stir is now at the point of full implementation 
with Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T. Do you know what that is, Krista? Is it the thing that it tells me it's a spam caller? No, that's when you get a martini of the style you prefer. No, it is. <laughs> I'll take it, it. It is a new technology that is designed, well, new to our cell phone carriers. And they were forced by regulators to implement that they use software technology that if the number has not been verified because of all the spoofing that goes on with phone calls, then your phone never rings. The call never goes, makes it to your phone. Awesome. So that is something that only in the last two weeks, yeah, last two weeks is fully implemented by the big three. Next, one thing that's gotten really expensive in the marketplace, car rentals, and it is ugly out there. I'm going to tell you a way you've got to turn your travel plans upside down to deal with it. Everywhere I turn, I'm reading posts and articles, and we've had the questions from people that are exasperated that they go to book a trip, and after they may have made their other travel arrangements, because it's a reactive thing to book a car rental, people then find out that a subcompact car may be $600 a day as a rental or $300 a day. A, a SUV may be over $1,000 a day right now in a lot of locations for a car rental. And I briefly explained what's going on recently that has to do with the pandemic, the bankruptcy of Hertz, the liquidation of vehicle rental fleets by all the rental agencies, and travel recently picked back up much quicker than any of the insiders, the experts at the airlines or car rentals or hotels or anybody expected. And so the problem is that there's just way too many people trying to book car rentals now. And so now it's ugly. People book a flight, they may have booked a resort or hotel or whatever, and then they go to book their car off the charts. So depending on where you're going and the nature of your trip, you may find that something we used to talk about a lot and we will talk about again is a better way for you to get around, Uber and Lyft. You may also find that you want to use Turo or Get Around, which are peer-to-peer car rental services where you rent from individuals. There are people that are making good money renting their personal vehicles out when they don't need them. There are even people with what's happened with uh, rental car agency pricing. There are people that are doing this as a part-time business, buying multiple vehicles just for the purpose of renting them out on Turo or GetAround. But the strategy that I recommend right now, if all that sounds crazy weird to you, is when you are booking a flight, remember, you have in almost all cases 24 hours to cancel your flight reservation completely penalty free. So book your flight, then immediately start shopping that car rental that matches up with your going and returning flight. If the car rental is not affordable, the alternatives are not appealing to you, 
cancel that flight before you're committed to it. I know that's really an extreme measure, but who can afford to pay over the course of a week $4,000 for a rental or six or $8,000 for a car rental? I know that sounds outlandish, outrageous, that that could never be happening, but there really are prices like that going on in a lot of cities right now and especially a lot of areas where people are going on driving trips, going into a place where they fly into a city to then go to national parks, the car rental costs going through the roof. Now, this will self-correct. It's going to take three to six months for car rental prices to return to more normal levels as the car rental agencies see that the recovery in travel is real. It's not a mirage. And they will then lay out the money to build their fleets up again. But in the meantime, it is really hand-to-hand combat on those car rental things. Uh, Two other suggestions is that you look at renting, as I've explained on the podcast before, you look at renting away from the airport where you take an Uber or Lyft or public transit to an in-city rental location. Vehicles are usually a lot cheaper at those in-city rental spots than they are at the airport. Uh, But my favorite suggestion of all is the one I started with, and that's Turo or Get Around. Krista? Okay, Nick wrote in, several people wrote in about when you talked about getting rid of the penny. Hi, Clark. I've been living in New Zealand for over 10 years and have enjoyed your podcast for a while now. New Zealand got rid of their one-cent coin quite a while ago, 1990, I think. Maybe it will help people feel better about this if you let them know that any transaction with a credit or debit card will not round the amount and you get charged the cent penny. Maybe this is obvious, but only the rounding up and down happens when paying cash. I'm with you and don't understand the logic behind keeping the penny in the USA, and I've never understood why people are so bent on it. New Zealand's done an awesome job in this regard, and no one cares anymore about the discontinued coins. They got rid of the one and two cent pieces. Thanks for all your work. And were there people also that were furious at me like in the past about the penny or were people more accommodating to they it? They were pretty now? accommodating. So that's changed. The psychology's changed. I think so, yeah. Okay. Okay, Crystal in Washington says, my husband and I recently lost our amazing super 30-year-old freezer. We now have to buy a new one. Let's face it, they don't make them anymore like they used to. We have two old refrigerators, a water heater, and a 10-year-old furnace, and an old stove that will need replacing down the road. For years, we've talked about getting homeowners' warranty on appliances when they break, but don't know who to use or where to go. Who or what can you suggest to help us? We just haven't pulled the trigger since we bought our house three years ago because we just need to be pointed in the right direction. All right, you are so careful with your money. I don't want you to spend five to six hundred dollars a year on one of these home warranty things because the quality of them is really suspect and the ability to get them to pay for things is not easy they tend to uh, even with something that's 20 years old they'll stall you install you install you and say oh the parts aren't available still as i heard recently from a couple with a 20 year old washer good for them they kept a washing machine 20 years They had to wait out six weeks in a test of wills with the warranty company because they would not pay to replace it. So it's a lot of hassle. 
I'd rather you take that five to $600 a year and put it in an appliance replacement savings account that you can draw on instead of uh, messing up your life by trying to deal with these impossible to deal with people typically at one of these home warranty companies. Marlene in California says, I'm 49 years old with a TSP traditional 401k. I've only been working and contributing to this 401k for 11 years. I have approximately $175,000 in my 401k. I plan to work for 20 more years and I contribute about 20% to my retirement. Should I open a Roth account and focus my contributions to the Roth or should I just stay with my 401k? Should I have one or the other or both? What should I do? So the only thing that confused me was at the beginning, you said that Marlene had a TSP, which is a federally sponsored thrift savings plan, mm-hmm. which is like a 401k, but for federal employees. Marlene, if you are actually a federal employee, the thrift savings plan is the best retirement plan anybody is offered at any place of work. Keep contributing to it, but you should start putting at least some of your contribution into the Roth version of the TSP. We're actually talking about a 401k. Most employers now offer both a traditional and a Roth version of a 401k. Either would be fine for you to do. Um, But I think if all your money has been traditional, I like for you to be in the Roth. If your employer does not offer the Roth version, then I love it for you to take the the percent of that 20 you're saving that would equal the 6000 you can put in a Roth IRA, unless you're over 50, it's $7,000, just so you know the difference based on age. In your case, you're not quite there for the seven, but you're close. Um, then you would have Roth money, post-tax money, and you'd have traditional retirement, employer-provided retirement. It would be pre-tax money. Having the combination of both is great. And the best thing is how much a percent of your pay you're saving. I love that. And I hope you love this episode of the Clark Howard Show. I appreciate our community so much. And I'm always here to serve you.